Some of you know me well enough to know one of the things I, I love to do is listen to audiobooks and podcasts. And I do it a lot while I'm running or biking. I put on an audiobook or a podcast. I enjoy listening to that stuff. And, and so some of you and I even trade back and forth ones that, that we like. And some of the podcasts that I particularly like to listen to, of course, are there certain pastors that I listen to or, or leadership podcasts that I, I get a lot out of. However, if I'm being honest, one of my secret loves, it's not going to be secret anymore, is I love the true crime podcasts. I get totally sucked into these whodunit podcasts. And then they take you all in these different directions. So if you listen to them, in one episode you think, oh, that person is so guilty. I I mean, all the evidence is stacked up against this person. There's no way they're innocent. But then you listen to the next episode the following week and you go, Ah, they couldn't have done it. They're innocent. They got the wrong person. And you, you go back and forth until the dreadful day comes. You come to the final episode where you think everything's going to be wrapped up in this neat little bow. And they're going to hand it to you and finally tell you who did it. And then they leave it a cliffhanger. You never know. You know that drives me crazy. But it doesn't drive me crazy enough because then I just pick a new one and I do it to myself all over again. I listen to these podcasts. I love them. But, you know, before there were podcasts, thousands of years ago, there was a murder that happened. And this murder was cut and dry. There, there was no mystery at all to this murder. And it was the story of the first two brothers that ever appeared in history named Cain and Abel. And they were found in Genesis chapter 4 of our Bibles. And as we look at these young brothers, Abel, he was a shepherd, and Cain, his older brother, was a, was a farmer. And both of these brothers came to the Lord and offered the Lord a gift. Well, we know that the Lord accepted Abel's gift, but Cain's gift, the Lord didn't accept. I don't know, perhaps... Cain didn't bring the Lord the best that he could. He held back. Or perhaps there was something going on in in Cain's heart. His motives were wrong. It was an improper gift. Whatever the case may be, the Lord didn't accept it. And as you can imagine, Cain didn't, didn't respond well. He was angry about this. In fact, he became so angry about this that finally the Lord had a little sit-down chat with him and said, Look, Cain, you know, I can't accept your gift here because you have some things going on in your heart that aren't good. You have some stuff going on, and, and, and you better, you better get, a, get a hold of it. You're, you're heading down a bad place. You need to be careful. In other words, the Lord said to Cain, You better check yourself here. Well, I would think that that would be enough to snap him out of it, but it wasn't. Cain continued down this path and and became more angry and more jealous of his brother Abel, all the way to the point when we see in Genesis chapter 4 that Cain murdered his brother Abel. It's the first murder, the first true crime that we see truly happening in Scripture. And this is a story, yes, of of a brutal tragedy. It was horrible, but what, what if I told you this morning that 
that that story is just the case study for us today on, on truly how we should treat another person. Let me, let me fast forward, if I could, just to 1 John chapter 3. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today. It's found towards the very back of your Bibles, if you're following along. And it's in 1 John chapter 3 that, that the Apostle John, he makes this argument that when it comes to our relationships, we have a choice to make. We can either, we can either make the choice of the easy path of selfishness, or we can travel the costly path of selflessness. So the question that I'm posing that I hope we can all wrestle with today together is, Truly, which path will you choose today? The easy path of selfishness or the costly path of selflessness? And I'm going to jump into verse 11 of chapter 3 because here's what John says real simply about how we should treat each other. He said, this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is John's thesis for how to have a healthy relationship. How to have a relationship that's built on selflessness and love. And, and you might say, well, nothing he says here is earth-shattering. This isn't rocket science. Of course we ought to love one another. You've, you've attended chap, the chapel here, or you've gone to other churches, or heard wherever enough to know that we ought to love another person. This isn't, this isn't new information. In fact, John even says it here. He says that you have heard this from the beginning. You know this. This isn't new. I'm not telling you something that's earth-shattering. He says, you know this. However, John goes on to say that even though you know it, it can be really hard to do and hard to do in our everyday lives. And so I find it almost interesting that John goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 to the first true crime ever recorded in Scripture to illustrate to us just how hard this is by pointing to Cain and Abel. And listen to the very next verse in 12. He says, We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? He said, Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Now, if you're like me and you hear this, you think to yourself, well, I'm already doing pretty good because uh, I'm already better than Cain. I've never murdered anyone. So that, uh, I'm already on the right track. And I hope that for most of you in this room that that is not an issue. However, what if John is using Cain here, not as a literal example, but as a, a figurative one? What if John is telling us the same thing that God told Cain? What if John's telling us, look, you got some things going on in your heart. You're, you're, you're walking a line. It's, it's, it's a little dangerous. You better check yourself. In other words, if we're not careful, we're going to travel down this road of selfishness and it's going to ruin our relationships. So how do we know? How do we know if we're traveling this road of selfishness? It's not so easy to know sometimes. We can do it completely unintentionally. And I was reading 
um, from Pastor Stephen Cole, and he was studying this scripture, and he had this to say. He said, it's a selfish and sensitive attitude that shows itself in disregarding others' good as I seek my own interests. This is me putting my wants, my desires above anyone else's. This is the definition of selfishness. And I'm telling you this because I understand no one's perfect. We all, we all have failed at this. This isn't the issue. I'm not talking about that. The issue I am talking about is when this kind of living becomes a pattern in our lives. In fact, John even says, he says, when you keep on doing this, when you keep on living this way, he describes this lifestyle as satanic, evil. Does that scare you? I, it does me because I, I don't want to live that way. And I imagine whether you are a Christ follower in this room who have been following Jesus for a long time, you don't want to live this way. And I bet if you're here in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're just here checking things out. I bet I could safely say you don't want to live this way either. But I wonder if how many times we do live this way and we're not even aware of it. We're completely unintentionally doing it. So let, let me give you a few signs a few indicators that you might be tiptoeing down this line of selfishness. This is just a list to kind of check yourself with, okay? You're living selfishly if I am the standard. Hopefully people will meet my high expectations of them. You're living selfishly if you have a difficult time putting the needs of others above your own. You live selfishly if if you do something for others, but it better fit into your schedule and you better get credit for it. You're living selfishly. When you don't get your way, you throw a fit. That's a tough one for me. Or how about this? Uh, I expect others to listen to me, but I become disinterested when listening to others. Or this one, if I apologize for something, I'm going to make sure the other person knows what they did wrong too. Those are indicators that we're walking down a pathway that's it's dangerous. That's the, that's the selfish path. Cain may have murdered his brother, but we're killing our relationships when we live this way. This is kind of, it's heavy. I don't like talking about this. It's not fun to show that list. And so maybe I could just steer us a little bit differently this morning. Let me point us in a different direction, because if you're here today and that list maybe hit a little close to home, I want to encourage you. We can change. We can change, and beginning today, you can jump off that path and head on a new path of selflessness. But before we talk about how to do that in our relationships, we have to start with the most important relationship in your life. You know what that is? It's your relationship with God. That has to be the most important relationship in your life because of course we want all of our other relationships to, to get in order. Of course we want that. But John is clear that our relationship with God comes first so that our other relationships can be what they were intended to be from the beginning. 
They can't happen unless our relationship with God comes first. In fact, in the very next verse, 16, John says this. He says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, it's possible to gaze right over this verse and not pay any attention to it. We almost become dull to it. We hear it so often. Oh yeah, Jesus gave up his life for us, of course. Yes, yes, yes. And we move right past it. But I'm telling you that this should not be something that we get used to. We have to be careful that, that we don't get used to this. When we read these words, these words should stop us in our tracks. They should humble us and they should awaken something in your heart that Jesus gave up his life for you because he loves you so much. John's defining here for us in this verse the true definition of unconditional love, which all of us crave. And it's anchored to selflessness, and not just any selflessness, but to selflessness and sacrifice, because God selflessly sacrificed his son, Jesus, for the sake of us. He brought him to this universe, to this messed up, broken world for a gross person like me. He did that, and he didn't have to, but he did, because he loves us. And, 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 then, and then God he sacrificed Jesus on the cross through, through his death and then resurrection so that I could have the life that he always intended for me to have. That is our gift. And when we embrace Jesus' selfless, sacrificial love in our life, it should change us. It has to change us. It should change everything that we do when we fully acknowledge and understand this. It should change the way I treat others, the, my co-workers, my friends, and my neighbors. It should change the way I treat my family, husbands. It should change the way you treat your wife and wives. It should change the way you treat your husband. If it doesn't, something's wrong. Because this is, this is a, a selfless sacrificial kind of love that we have experienced through Jesus. And it's not just a love to be received. It's a love that should be replicated over and over again. A love anchored in sacrifice, and it should characterize our lives. That's why John goes on at the end of verse 16 to say this. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Again, uh, Pastor Stephen Cole, who who I found very insightful here. He, he said when we live this way and when we pattern our lives after this selfless, sacrificial Savior, he said that it's a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. We place them up here instead of ourselves. And when we have experienced this kind of sacrificial love from our Savior, how can we not do the same thing for others? How can we not? So John goes on, and he gives us a litmus test. And I'm telling you that this isn't the easiest test. It's, it's quite difficult. And so as we take this test this morning together, I want to encourage you, keep your eyes on your own paper and don't share your answers with your neighbor 
Let's, let's take this test together. It starts like this in verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Oh, John, really? Yeah, I mean, you have to go there, right? Of course he has to go there. Because, because if we're honest, we can be selfish with what we have. And we might give to others, of course, but oftentimes we'll do so only after we've made sure that we've cared for all of our own needs first. But love, selfless love is the complete opposite. It spares no expense. And if you need evidence of this, just turn your gaze back to the cross for one moment. Because from our free time to our finances, love is shown through selflessness. It's through sacrifice. And it's the reason that John goes on in verse 18 to say this, Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. It's our actions, not our intentions, that show others that we love them. And I'm just keeping it real here. This is one I struggle with because I have good intentions. I want to be loving. I really do. I intend to do certain things. I even have a list like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. I I have intentions to love people, but honestly, that means nothing without action. It's not enough to just intend to love them. If we're going to take the path of selflessness, our, our lives have to look different than a life of selfishness. And so just as I gave you a, a kind of a checklist of ways that you're living selfishly, let, let me give you a quick checklist of some ways that you can live selflessly. So check yourself here for a moment. Do your standards for others reflect God's standards? Lots of grace. Grace and more grace. You're living selflessly when, when you seek to put others' needs ahead of your own. You're living selflessly when, when you do something for others, you don't seek your glory but God's. It all goes back to Him. It has to. Or, or you're living selflessly when, when I don't get my own way, I'm at peace with it. Especially right now in our world, I wonder about this. When we don't get our way, are we at peace with it? Or how about this? I'm more interested in listening to others than being heard. I care more about hearing them than them hearing me. Or how about this one? When I apologize, I sincerely mean it and I own everything without blaming the other person. I show you these lists because I don't want you to feel discouraged. I actually, I hope that this encourages you because let me take a moment to brag on you for a minute. I've seen selfless love lived out through your lives over and over again. I, I have seen you give generously of your time and your resources that quite honestly, it overwhelms me. I have seen how you have been so compassionate towards other people. I've seen many of you who come in and you serve our kids week after week. 
even though you're tired. I've seen many who come in early to set up and many who stay late to clean up after everyone leaves, even though they're hungry. I've seen many of you who give your time and your resources during the week to care for others. I saw just a couple of weeks ago two guys who went to a house. They went upstairs in the house. They tore apart a hospital bed, hauled it down the stairs, and reassembled it so the sick person wouldn't have to go up the stairs. I see many of you who who purchase food and, and things that families need in our community. I've seen it. I've seen many of you fill Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes even though you're on a fixed income. I've seen many of you spend Saturday mornings building wheelchair ramps with axe when probably you have a whole list of things of your own you needed to accomplish at your house. I've seen many of you who have given their, their finances and time in going on mission when honestly your vacation time could have been spent sleeping in. But it wasn't. You gave it instead. This list is a short list. It could go on and on of things I've seen in this church. And I'm telling you this because I want to encourage you to keep on. Keep doing this. Because when you love selflessly like this, it's not only changing our church and our community, but it's changing the kingdom of God. Keep doing this. You know, John Maxwell, he he writes a lot of leadership books and and does podcasts, and he said this, it, it made sense to me. Most people want to change the world to improve their lives. But the world they need to change first is the one inside themselves. John said the same thing. He said we can choose the easy path of selfishness, which will kill our relationships, or we can take the costly path of selflessness, which is going to build our relationships. My question to you is which path are you going to choose And I'm telling you, you have to choose it every single day. Let me pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the example that he set for us here, that perfect example of sacrificial, selfless love. Lord, we're so grateful. And may we we look more like him every day. Lord, help us in these ways. In your name I pray, amen. You know, before uh, I dismiss you, let me give you one quick uh, announcement as we approach Christmas. So we have our, our Christmas Eve services, which lots of you enjoy attending. So let me tell you, uh, we're going to have a service at 630 on the 23rd, and then we're going to have three on the 24th. I'm telling you this because, because of our room and needing to keep the chairs separate, we can't fit as many people in as we normally fit. So we want to make sure there is room for the guests that come. So if you would be willing, as, as our church family, people who attend regularly, would you please pre-register which service you're going to come to? That way it'll help us to know how to better plan for all the guests that will come. So if you would, text the number, the word Christmas, let us know which service you're going to be at, and then we can plan accordingly for our guests who will be here as well. Thanks for helping in that way. and. We have some greeters who will dismiss you. Have a great day.